Hey, this is Virgil Sierra, lead pastor of Vertical Church in South Florida. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks for connecting with us, and we hope this message encourages you and connects you vertically to God. Enjoy the message. So it's a good time to think about this. What am I going to give to Jesus? And some of you might say, Pastor, I I have nothing to give Jesus. So I want to share with you guys a story in the Bible that will show you what you and I can give Jesus in this Christmas season. The title of this message is True Christmas Worship. Let's go to our Bibles, Matthew chapter 2. Pastor, what's a Bible? It's, It's this compilation of 66 books that's the Word of God that so many of us are unfamiliar with and need to become more familiar with. Let's open it up. Matthew chapter 2. This message is entitled True Christmas Worship. I want you to think about this. When, before we read, when Jesus was born and his presence came into the world, people began to worship him. Like people didn't wait till he died on the cross and, like, and then he resurrected and then worship him. Like it started from the moment he got here. People showed up because they wanted to worship in his presence And today we're going to focus in on this fascinating story of these wise men. Anybody heard of the wise men? Yeah, we're going to talk about this fascinating story. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Is anybody excited? Anybody excited again the word? All right, here we go. Now, here it says, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Pause. Where did they come to? Jerusalem. Notice that they didn't go to Bethlehem. Why? Because they didn't know where he was. They didn't know where he was. Saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So, so they didn't know where he was. And by the way, the whole chapter starts with now after Jesus. So this is, this is, I'm sorry to burst somebody's bubble here. But the wise men were not in the stable by the manger. So, so again, it's not bad. It's not a wrong thing. But they weren't there. We're not talking about when he was just born. This was sometime after. Okay, so Jesus was no longer a baby. He was probably a small, probably a toddler. Okay, verse three, when Herod, the king heard this, that these guys had come from the east, right? He was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. Because first of all, by the way, Herod was like, what king are you talking about? I'm the king. Who's, who are you talking about? We find out. So I get rid of him. And, he went, and when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So then he's like, okay, tell me, talk to me about what is this? I don't know about this. So they called all the people who knew the scriptures and they knew the, prophet, the prophecies. So they said to him, oh, of course, King Herod, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. By the way, if you want to put a side note, Micah 5.2, that's the prophet who wrote this in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod, when he had then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, pause. Why do you think Herod called them secretly? Well, because we know that Herod wanted to kill Jesus. (laughs) He just didn't know where he was or how old he was. That's why remember the remember the edict was any kids two or younger, because it was in that gap of time. Um, And I think personally, my opinion, he also wanted to kill any witnesses that thought that there was some king that had been born. Called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. Remember, they didn't come at the time of the birth, they came after. Verse 8, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, yes, wise men, go and search carefully for the young child, not baby, child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. You all think that Herod wanted to worship little Jesus? No. 
9. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When, this, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy, and when they had come into the house, not stable, house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Let's pause and let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray today that our spiritual eyes would be enlightened, that our hearts would be encouraged, and that we would learn something that helps us to apply it in our lives in a way that would draw us closer to you and that would lead us to honor and worship you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we know these wise men came from a distant land in the east specifically to worship Jesus. And I want to show you guys three things we can learn about their worship. So here we go, three characteristics of true Christmas worship. Are you guys with me? Number one, it was expectant worship. Come on, tell somebody, expectant, expectant. It was expectant worship. They came expecting something to happen when they entered the presence of the king. Can I just mention this? Um, it is, it, it's believed that they traveled about 1,000 miles. And, and we're not talking about Uber, Greyhound, planes. We're talking about horses, maybe camels, and foot. 1,000 miles. These wise men are also known uh, as magi, depending on the type of, uh, on the, on the tr um, translation uh, that you read. They're known as wise men. They're known as magi. And they're specifically from the east. We believe that they're from Persia. They weren't Jewish. They weren't Jewish people. They were magicians, astronomers, extremely wise men. And it's apparent that these in particular were believers, now, before we get too critical on them for being magi, magicians and astronomers and all this, you have to think about this. They were born, every human being and every human culture, we're all born with an, a, a, um, a natural hunger and desire to know the supernatural. It's something that's, that's in us as human beings. Um, However, if you weren't a part of Israel who worshiped the one true God and you didn't know God personally, or even today, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you know about him, but you're not a believer in, you still have a hunger in you to know the supernatural. That's why in many cultures, cultures around the world, maybe even what you grew up in, they have witch doctors, they have sorcerers, they have fortune tellers, they have horoscopes, they have all these things because people... People are enamored and, and, and desiring to know about the supernatural. I believe that these men had that desire as well, but they weren't of Jewish descent. They weren't of Israel. However, they had heard stories. They, have, they had read writings about this. Um, and here's the point. It had been prophesied and passed down for hundreds of years about this Messiah, king of, Is of, uh, king of the Jews, king of Israel, and these men from the east traveled a thousand miles... <laughs> on their animal, on their beasts, and on their feet to get to his presence. That's a lot. And so here, here's, here's a question I have for you just to think about. If they made that much effort to get into his presence then, why wouldn't you make just a little effort to get into his presence now? Because sometimes we complain because church is three miles from home. 
It's because they were expectant. They knew how special this was. You know what? There should be an excitement in our hearts when Thursday and Friday come around thinking about it's almost Sunday. It's almost time to get together with my family to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There should be an excitement because there should be an expectancy and sometimes there's not an expectancy because there's not an excitement because I'm not sure that there's a true understanding of what happens when we come together to worship the King. And by the way, you can come to the presence of the king every day at home on your own. You don't need the church. You don't need other people. Praise God. And I want that to happen. But could we agree that there's something powerful when the congregation, when the family of believers, when people come together to worship the king of kings together, there's something powerful that happens. There's something real that happens. And he speaks to those who are listening. And he moves to those who are attentive. And he touches to those who are wanting it. And it's no wonder how, how different people can be in the same place and have completely separate, different experiences. It's because they were expectant. Secondly, expressive worship. So the first one was expectant worship. The second one is expressive worship. Come on, tell somebody expressive. Yeah. Look at verse, right there in Matthew 2, verses 10 and 11. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with, his, with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay, so listen to this. First of all, they rejoiced, in this version that I'm reading, New, New King James Version, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Like, the Bible could have just said that they rejoiced, right? But it says, but it says, it says that they rejoiced with joy... And then it says they rejoice with great joy, but it doesn't even stop there. It says they rejoice with exceedingly great joy. In other words, they expressed their worship. Here's a good point. Worship is something we express. I thought it was a store in the mall. Yes, express is a store in the mall. But worship is something we express. It's funny to me because throughout the years, I mean, I grew up in church. I'm, I'm a church kid. I'm a pastor's son. I'm a PK. I, I grew up all my life in church. Um, so it's hard for me to identify sometimes with some people. But I, I've met a lot of people on my journey in, and even here at church throughout the years who have a hard time with expressive worship. And the reason they have a hard time with expressive worship, I remember one guy told me once, you know, Pastor, I grew up in a, in a culture that was very, like, regarding church, was very quiet, very reserved, and very still, Right? Very kind of, kind of like very kind of um, sobering, so to speak, and and uh, and I said I completely understand that, and 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 this and this and this other guy told me, in fact, when I first started coming, I was a little uncomfortable with like the the music part because they don't even know how to talk about worship. I like the word, I like the teaching, but a little uncomfortable. And so I had this one guy who told me I actually didn't like coming to church until the worship part was finishing, until it was almost over. Uh, and then later came back and told me, I get it now. I enjoy coming. I get here early now. Uh, and the same thing, another lady who, who told me, you know, I, I wasn't used to it. I, kinda, I kind of didn't like it. And now I get here early, Pastor, because I understand the heart behind expressing my love, expressing my worship to the Lord. And, uh, and you know, maybe today's your first day here. And, and that's exactly what you thought. Like, oh, my gosh, there's people here, like, moving in church, you know. Like I can hear their voices and it's, you know, and, and maybe, maybe, you know, it's a little bit different or weird for you. Let me just tell you, it's okay. 
And it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, it also says, it also says, by the way, the word is good. Like the word is good and it's important. But the word with the worship, it's a powerful combination. You don't want just one, you want them both. It also says here, and fell down and worshiped him. Now, when you study this in the original, original Greek uh, writings, the words that are used here, it literally means to fall down violently and be shattered. Have you ever seen somebody like fall down violently and be shattered? That, that's, this is what the wise men did when they, when, they, when they came into the presence of Jesus, the child in this home. Think about this. Many of us here have, you know, think about children between like babies and like two years old, like that guy. Many of us have kids or nephews or grandkids. Anybody got a child, like a grandchild, nephew, or a kid around that, like kind of one, two, like toddler? Anybody, anybody, anybody? Or anybody? All right, so all of you, you're like me. When you see them, you melt, right? And you're like, oh, and you hug and you kiss, you know, and you grab and you take pictures, right? But nobody's like, oh, there's a kid. I worship you. Like nobody, nobody's bowing down, falling, shattered, and broken to worship the child because your child ain't Jesus and neither is mine. So these men walk into a house, they see a toddler, and something in them caused them to fall violently to the floor and worship. You tell me. This was no ordinary child. And, and by the way, these weren't unintelligent, socially unacceptable men. These were wealthy, intelligent, respected, and wise men of the East. Here's a point to think about. It wouldn't be a bad idea if every now and then you collapsed in his presence and you were shattered before him in worship. In fact, I would venture to ask, when was the last time that happened? Probably, some would say never. Pastor, what are you suggesting? That me, an educated person, a person with intellect and understanding would sing or bow or clap or do any foolishness for some, be serious, pastor. I would never, no, no, no educated, well-respected person would ever do that. And then their team scores a goal in the World Cup. Ah! Goal! Touchdown! well-respected, educated person would ever express anything like that. And so what happened is, over time, we exchanged a vertical worship from creation to creator for horizontal worship, creation to creation. And the, cr the crazy thing is we see more expressions of worship in the stadiums than we do in the churches. For false, lowercase g gods, who are great at scoring goals. They're worthy of their applause, but they ain't doing nothing for me personally. Much less pay for my sins. In fact, they might contribute to my sinning. 
if they're actors or actresses or musicians or writers or singers who sing all kinds of crap to fill my life with crap because that's the plan and the strategy of the enemy to fill our lives with stuff that is junk and to take out and avoid and block out and fill space of the stuff that's worth it. But no, pastor. Oh, you clap here? Oh, there's clapping. There's clapping here. I thought this was a religious, traditional, serious place. For the God of the universe, these men fell on, the, on their faces. They fell down violently and worshiped. Do you understand this? I don't know if you understand this. This is a good point to hear. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Christ the Lord, not your favorite soccer player, singer, actress, or political leader. One day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Every billionaire, every political leader, every famous singer, actor, athlete, every atheist, every college professor, every single one, willingly or unwillingly, will bow down before the presence and kneel and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let me just give you a few biblical expressions of worship. Pastor, I don't know if I believe you. These are some biblical, there's not time to look for them all, so if you want to write down the verse address, honestly, just read the Psalms. You'll find all the expressions of worship. This is not the expressions that the pastor likes or expressions of charismatic leaders or this is biblical expressions of worship. Clapping. You guys just showed me you know how to clap. That's great. Psalm 47.1. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. By the way, it's not only shouting for the Lord. Yeah. Oh, but I'm too. I don't shout. I don't shout. Singing. Psalm 95.1, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Question, what are you singing? I want to challenge you today. What are you singing? Is it Jesus? I speak the name of Jesus. Or is it, pasame la bote? See, some of you are already singing it. What is it? Is it life or is it crap? I'm sorry, death. Because... What goes in is what comes out. That's what it is. It's what it is. That's why, that's why we ain't having none of that. Not in my house. Me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Me and this house, we will promote and project and teach to honor Jesus. Now, if you want to do your own thing, you do it. But don't bring it in here. Bowing, bowing, Psalm 95, 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. I have that question, and I don't want you to answer. I just want you to think about it. When's the last time you kneeled? Or have you ever? Lifting hands. Psalm 134, verse 2. Lift up your hands. Where? In the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Hey, it turns out this is a good place to do it. Some of us have never lifted our hands in freedom and say, Lord, I love you, Jesus. And I could care less what anybody thinks about me. Now, I'm not doing it to get attention. 
because that would be foolish. I'm doing it because I can't help but doing it because I am free, because I am loved, because I have a God who gave his life for me, a God who thought about me in a divine plan. These are biblical expressions of worship, and like these, there are many more. Find them throughout the Psalms. What is expression? It's expressing what's in your heart. And like I said, I understand many of you grew up in environments where worship was not expressed, where expressions of worship weren't taught or even modeled. And maybe when you first came here, it surprised you to see people singing and clapping and lifting hands and kneeling and worshiping the Lord. Can, can I just say something? I remember when I first began to express my love for God freely. I mean, I grew up in church. Like I said, I grew up my whole life. I'm in church. But there was a moment where something clicked and I, and I was able to, whoo. I talked about it before. My first amen in public. Like, amen. Like you, when, you, when you've never done amen, like in a church service, and you do your first one, you think everybody's looking at you, right? And nobody could care less that you said amen. They're just like, okay, he gets it. He's in it, right? Amen. I'm going to take the pressure off. I'm going to count to three, and we're all going to say amen. Ready? One, two, three. Amen. Amen. You just did it. You just said amen in church. Some of you, like, whispered it. It's all right. It's a good start. I remember the first time. Even, even lifting hands is, is a challenge, right? Because at the soccer game, as soon as the goal goes in, your hands are up because it's already in us. But here, it's, like, it's almost like, Ugh. and you start off with a... I'm not going to go through all of them, but I remember when, when I took, I felt the freedom and the courage to express my worship to the Lord, and it, it, was, it changed me because it, wasn't, it was no longer my mom and dad's faith. It was my faith. It wasn't my church's worship time. It was my worship time, and honestly, I could never go back to not expressing my worship for the Lord. And by the way, we can't, ex we can't confuse expressing our worship with being distracting to others. Because if, if I'm doing like the helicopter here in front of everybody in the middle of church service and everybody's looking at me, like, like now I'm taking attention away from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I don't know if you've ever been to a church like that, that has helicopter brother and sister twinkle toes, you know. Because, because sometimes we can be so enamored by our own worship that we become distracting to others. And if you've ever been in a church like that, it can be distracting, right? Uh, so... The heart is, I want to express what's in my heart because God created me to express worship. Even the, even the youngest kid in the stadium, you don't got to tell him to get up and scream and shout and lift up his hands because it's already in us. We were created to worship. Last point, number three, extravagant worship. Not only did the wise men demonstrate expectant and expressive, but also extravagant worship. Look at verse 11. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, by the way, this could be a whole study here. These gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh had prophetic significance. They probably didn't even know it, the wise men, but they had prophetic significance. Gold represents royalty. Frankincense represents divinity. And myrrh represents humanity. And uh, the reason that frank incense, frank incense, incense is something that the Bible uh, connects our prayers to. And when we offer our prayers, they go up like incense, up to the Lord. And who do you, who do you pray to? God, divinity. And myrrh is what you use to anoint a dead body. And it's almost as if they were making a statement prophetically that this child was born to die. And so... These gifts that the wise men brought prophetically represent Jesus' humanity, his royalty, 
and his divinity, but here's the kicker. These were the three best resources that Persia had to offer. In other words, where these, ma- these men came from Persia, these wise men brought their absolute best when they went to worship Jesus. They didn't bring the second tier stuff. They didn't bring the mediocre stuff. They brought the best. And here's a good question for you and for me today. Do you bring your best when you come to worship Jesus? And I'll be the first one to admit here that many times I haven't brought my best, even to church. At times I'm distracted thinking about other things. Sometimes I can walk through the motions as a Christian and not bring my best. But these wise men, they brought their best. And look what it says. It says that they opened their treasures. Now let me explain something about this. In those days, when a group of this caliber traveled... They traveled with enough funds and resources that if something unforeseen happened, they'd still be able to get back home without a problem. So they would travel with more than what they needed, okay? Not only with servants and, you know, animals and resources and funds and treasures, obviously. So if they, if they, if they needed nine months' worth to get to a place and then nine months' worth to get back home, that would represent about 18 months of of financial aid. They would probably take about 36 months of financial aid. Why? Because unexpected things could happen. You never know if you're going to run into famine along the journey or if there's going to be some kind of challenge where you have to trade or barter or use something or do something. So they were probably carrying, you know, much more than was needed of gold, of myrrh, and of frankincense, and it was their treasury. And the Bible says that they opened their treasure. Now, I don't know what this is like because we don't get details on this. But when I get to heaven and I watch heaven flicks, I'm going to say, Lord, put on, put on the scene of the wise men when they're with Jesus. Because the way I picture it is they came to Jesus, they fall broken and shattered before Jesus, worshiping him. And then one of the wise men tells one of the servants, bring the treasure. And then the servant goes and grabs it and says, sir, with all respect, remember we got to get back home. Shut up and get out the gold. We're going to honor this king. Not with what we want to. Not with what's most convenient to us or what we think humanly would make sense. We're going to honor him with what he is worthy of. And it's extravagant. It's crazy when you think about it. They brought it to a kid. Now your two-year-old might be beautiful and cute, but I am bringing no treasure to your two-year-old. There was something different about this one. This was the king of the universe. I believe this is a true illustration of true worship. By the way, I believe this with all my heart. You can never separate worship and giving. That's why I don't know if you're a true worshiper if you don't give. I think it's impossible. In fact, I challenge you to find in the Bible a place where people worshiped and did not give. There was always an offering that was connected to worship. They gave an offering. And not only was it an offering, it was usually a sacrificial offering. It wasn't a, here's my 10 cents. It was a sacrificial offering. And so, so, so here's a statement that I'm going to make boldly that I believe in, that I've experienced, and that as a pastor, I want for my people here at Vertical Church. If you want to go to a new level in your worship, you go to a new level in your giving. If you want to go to a new level in your worship, it's not possible unless you go to a new level in your giving. I've experienced this. I've had mentors, leaders, and pastors pastors teach me this. And that's what these men did. 
They were extravagant in their worship and they were sacrificial in their giving. Hey, I'm going to give you one last bonus here. Here's the last thing I want to share about these men. Do you remember when they came? Where did they come to first? Jerusalem. Because they didn't know where to go. And what did they do? Where is, where, where is he who has been the king, born the king of Jews? Why? Because they thought he'd be in Jerusalem. But then they had to go to the people who knew the Bible and the word and the prophets and the prophecies. And then they realized, oh, it's in Bethlehem. Now check this out. Last verse that we read in Matthew 2, verse 12. It says, Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. When it says then, it's an important word because it means then, in other words, after they did what they did, and what they did was they worshipped. So after they worshipped, it says that they were divinely warned. Question, who's doing the warning if it's a divine warning? God. So this is really important. Listen to this carefully. Before they worshipped, they had to go to other people to find out what God said, what the Bible says. But after they entered his presence, God spoke directly to them. This is one of the most amazing things you're going to find in Scripture. So listen to this. If you're not a worshiper, you'll always have to ask somebody who is, what does this mean? I don't get it. I don't see it. But once you get in the habit of entering God's presence on a regular basis, God will speak to you directly. So I want to pray. And here's my question as, as we get ready to pray. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now, right here, today? And I want you to just think about these three simple points today. They came with expectant worship. So here's the first question. Do you come expecting to have an encounter with God? Or is it just like your stop before you go to La Granja later for lunch? You know what I mean? Like, is it just like, oh, I got to go to church and I got to... Or, or is there expectancy? Here's another one. They expressed their worship. So it wasn't just in their heart. They expressed it with the body that God gave them. So is God speaking to you maybe about not being so concerned about your appearance or about how you grew up or what you're comfortable with? Jesus, I would do that, but I'm not so comfortable. I mean, I'll shout and go crazy when my team scores a goal, but for God's sakes, we're in church. They were extravagant in their worship. Their giving was extravagant. Their worship was extravagant. Why? Because it was intentional. It was significant and it was sacrificial. I think that's the key word. Is God speaking to you today? Let me pray. Lord, I pray for every man, woman, and young person in this auditorium and connected online right now. I pray specifically that you would help us to increase our genuine and true worship. I pray, Lord, that we would grow in our expectancy whenever we're going to spend time with you, whether it's on our own at home, with our family, or here at church, that we would grow in expectancy that we are worshiping the King of the universe, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that we would become more comfortable each day, each week, each month, each year with expressing our worship 
in a way that's true and sincere, expressing our love for you through, through things that maybe we've never done, like singing to you, like bowing, raising our hands, clapping, shouting, and recognizing your goodness and your greatness. And Lord, I also hope that you would speak to us when it comes to extravagant worship, realizing that there's no worship without sacrificial giving. There's no devotion or commitment when there's no cost. And I pray, Lord, that we would learn from these wise men and that we ourselves would be expectant worshipers, expressive worshipers, and extravagant worshipers. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vertical Church Podcast. And thank you to all of you who give generously to this ministry. You make this ministry possible. You can always give online by visiting us at verticalchurch.com. And if you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, rate it, share it with your friends, and you can also share it on social media and tag us at vertical underscore social. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you.